This week's podcast is sponsored by Seven Oaks Sound and Vision, who are currently running their Cyber Monday deals. So be sure to check them out at ssav.com. Hello and welcome to Davy Forum's podcast for Monday, the 27th of November. It's almost the dreaded month of December. We hate it here. We just want December over the way. We want January because we're going to see yes. Joining me on this edition, assistant editor, Steve Wythers. Apes together strong. Audio reviewer, Ed Shelley. If we go to war, we could lose all we've built. And probably the most unquotable movie of all time. Well done, Steve, for picking that one. <laughs> And it's uh, it's Cyber Monday when you're listening to this, but while we're recording it, it's it's actually Black Friday, and my grand total of purchases so far is zero. Anybody yeah. else? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at a record online, but it's not part of Black Friday, so well, I don't no, think you, that you always look at records online. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something unusual in that. No change. Yeah. I was looking at phone deals, but most of those are bollocks. So I mean, whether I mean whether that would be a stronger thing on Cyber Monday, I don't know. But and I also don't know what phone I want. That doesn't help. Well, Steve's been squirrelling away secret squirrel stuff. You jet lag? Yep. Uh, no, I'm all right, actually. Not too bad. Slept okay last night, so I'm okay. And I'm buying some Christmas tree lights, but I don't think that'll be Black Friday deals either. Just <laughs> It tends, tends to be a bad time of the year to buy Christmas tree lights. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. Well, I've got Christmas tree lights, but Laura doesn't like them, so I've got to get some different ones. <laughs> which, what's are, they wrong the, with them? are they in the shape of a cock or something? No, no, no they're just blue and like red or something but she wants golden coloured lights so I'm going for warm Ellie warm white is my option <laughs> surely then the, then the tree it, can double as a light a source of light surely and a proper uh, D65 have, yeah if you have D65. working lights already and your partner wishes to change the lights the onus is on them to find buy and fit the ones that they want over and above the working option that's already in the house yeah, do, do you know what? I've lived in this house mm, coming on 20 years and it's never seen a Christmas tree. Oh, or, 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 or even Christmas decorations for that, that matter. And, and any Christmas cards that come through the letterboxes go straight in the bin. <laughs> Ebony's no a wonder that you're on your own. <laughs> and I like it just like that. On that bleak note, Shall, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't mind Christmas decorations. I'm just, I'm slightly annoyed that when you see they've the... started to go up now well you see the hints in in the name isn't it christmas decorations you know this is november not yes cr- not christmas sorry yes I, I, look i'm not participant i'm i'm simply you know i i, I would say I'm he's, try, he's trying to keep his voice down steve so, so he yeah. out. <laughs> i'm just hiding in a bedroom <laughs> and i'm sure there's there's blokes and and women all up up and down the country doing exactly the same Ed, just trying to trying to hide at this moment in time don't want to get involved with the decorations or the christmas shopping or the arguments that go with it yeah i mean I, to be fair um i mean it's a it, it's a in my wife's defense once actual december kicks off as a musician it is wall-to-wall christmas concerts she doesn't in all fairness to her, have really any time in December to put decorations up. So it's either we go early or we we take your approach and don't go at all. Um, Now, there are merits to your approach, but when you have a four-year-old, they tend to get a little bit upset. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, the only reason that this house has never seen decorations is for the vast majority of, um, you know, 10 years in my previous job, I worked the whole festive period. Um, because those with families took the time off. So it's just a case of, I was never here, so there wasn't much point decorating. And I've just gotten into that habit. So it's not like I don't like Christmas and so on. It's When it comes to Christmas time, I spend my time elsewhere. I don't spend my time in this house. So I've just never gotten into the habit of decorating. So it's not a humbug thing. It's just, well, it'd be pointless decorating here because there's only me, and, and I don't spend my time here over Christmas anyway. So... Maybe you could get some a little festive light arrangement for the Mustang's windscreen. Hey, I mean, it won't be distracting <laughs> at all. Or maybe a mooning Santa for the rear window. I know. Get one of those those Christmas tree shaped, um, you know, fresh air fresheners, and just decorate that and hang it from the. Uh... Actually, that could. You, do you know yeah. what? You could really go to town on a tiny on a tiny level. Although you presumably don't want to get rid of your new car smell at the moment. Well, I, I quite like the new car smell. So I, I know that's the thing. So yeah, and, and I can I can Ed, send you an expired one. <laughs> no, that's all right. Ed, I, I found the perfect place yesterday for you. It, it was almost like I was going to say an Aladdin's cave, but let's say a Santa's grotto just to keep it in, tie it in with with the mood at the minute. Um, full of craft beers. 
It's an old Morgan dealer. So you'd be fascinated by the fact that it was an old Morgan dealership. And there's bits of cars sticking out walls and all sorts. And although it's not a Morgan, it was a Mini. But it's called... It just sounds like someone's just drunk, the car's driven crash. into the side of it. <laughs> well, and it's supposed to look like that. you know. It's, um, but the, the, the back ends it has like um, uh, draft pumps. So you can actually sample the some of the beers and stuff through the yeah. draft pumps and, and so on. You would have loved the place. I'd never been there before. It's like five minutes from my home. It's called the Pip Stop uh, at Maiden Law. Didn't even know it existed. Uh, but obviously I wanted to take a little thank you down to um, the dealership yesterday and I thought, well, some craft beers might go down well at this time of year. So I went and purchased some and walked into the place and I just thought, Ed, other than a record store, this would be Ed's other idea of heaven. Oh, yeah. And that's, it's, as I say, I, I mean, obviously, as I try to consume less beer, I'm more consume, con- discerning about the ones I actually consume. Uh, so stuff like that. Although, I mean, there is one a, a similar sort of arrangement in uh, a little town that sort of sits just to one side of Milton Keynes. And I went in there and I bought, I can't, I bought three beers for um, eleven pounds twenty. Uh, it's not, it's not a cheap undertaking. And believe, and there was, there were certain things in there, and it was like a four hundred and forty mil can, so not even a bottle. Four hundred and forty mil can. It's like eight pounds seventy. I mean, now, admittedly, the alcohol content of each one of them was such that really that would pretty much do you for an evening. But even so, um, you know, it it would have been cheaper to go to the pub, uh, which is a slightly (laughs) peculiar undertaking. Yeah, but but if if you go to the pub, you've got to mingle with other people, have you not, Ed? And I thought you were allergic to that. No, 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 no. There are plenty. If if you've got uh, a community which has more than one pub, there, there's they, they they normally sort of find their clientele quite nicely. I mean, where my parents are in Andover in Hampshire, there is an astonishingly high pub density, and there's the lively pub, the sports pub, the music pub, and the sit in silence and don't fucking talk to anyone. Pub. And that <laughs> is the great pub. That one is just fantastic. <laughs> and the thing is, it's just it's like it's like a library with beer taps, and you don't even need to. You just look up at the bartender, and they'll just repeat what you need there's no need there's no need to utter a word and it's perfection generally speaking when i do go down to my parents for christmas because we alternate with my my family and kirstie's family um i will spend at least one afternoon there because it is bliss and the idea i mean if you if you so much as pushed a child through the boundaries you just know that the wave of there'd just be this psychic wave of revulsion the child was just <laughs> blown through the window like a Stephen King novel. um so yeah i i i'm all for that you know it, it it's all about choosing your pub correctly do you have do you have to have your scruffy beard to go in there uh well i generally do these days because it's, it's not like i need to shave very often <laughs> um but no it's not obligatory uh neither is having a dog on a string although i dare say it probably helps so. <laughs> on a bit of rope you mean a bit of blue yeah. blue rope that's that's been tass- <laughs> the tassels are fraying everywhere and you've got another matching one for your belt i know yeah, yeah so. <laughs> it's, it's a good look uh, right, it's also Cyber Monday today, uh, so if you are listening, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of deals out there. I, I guess Cyber Monday is more in keeping with AV Forum's membership. I think it's more techie sort of deals that are that are out there. So uh, I did notice that Maplin are doing some fantastic deals on drones, much to my disgust, because I actually paid full price for them, and it's now £200 cheaper than I paid for it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very happy with that one. I, I, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously opened it and registered it and downloaded all the latest firmware, so it was a bit late to put it all back in the box and take it back and get a refund. So, unfortunately, I missed out there. Lesson learned. You did support the high street, though, or the metro centre or whatever. That, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, I'll, I'll use that one. Yeah, good. Uh, current competition, Steve. We have got two running. At the moment, you can win a Dream Screen Smart Backlighting Kit, and that competition closes on the 13th of December, and you can also win a Mio my view c330 dash cam and that competition also closes on the 13th of december i can also see that you've just copied and pasted last week's i did yes because it still says mix (laughs) instead of mio (laughs) and there were no uh competition winners this week okay so uh moving on to hardware news and a new item for av forums we've never done this before and it's our first time Uh, so go easy on us people Um, be be gentle (laughs) uh 
But yeah, it's one thing that we've never done. Obviously, with our reviews, uh, if we think a product is recommended, highly recommended, best buy or a reference status, uh, we give out badges on the reviews. But that only applies to that product in the context of the review against some of its peers, uh, but not all. Obviously, there's certain market areas and so on. What we've never done is we've never done an end-of-year awards, mainly because I think... In the past, we have only sort of reviewed very specific areas. So it's never really been worthwhile to do an awards because we've never seen... It used to just be TVs, projectors and, and some home cinema kit. Uh, but we've expanded over the years. We now cover quite a, quite a few areas. So we've decided that we're going to do Editor's Choice Awards starting this year. And we're going to pick our favourite areas. So the first thing that's going to go up and the first thing that you're going to see listening to this podcast is our TVs of the year, Steve. And um, it's really taken us quite some time to go through this one uh the main thing was what do we pick the tvs for you know what areas do we pick up on and and give awards for it's been really quite difficult because there's so many different niche areas when it comes to tvs you're not just talking about picture quality you're talking about uh different areas of the market in terms of cost you're you're talking about aspirational tvs against you know the best overall tvs best tvs innovations as gaming tv um, yeah, so, yeah. so there's, there's lots of areas that you can really sort of look at and, and we, we sat down together, we've gone through this and kind of picked the areas that we think in terms of AV forums, uh, readers, listeners, what they they really be looking for when it came to TV. So we've put it down to best home cinema TV, best gaming TV, yeah. best OLED TV, best TV under £1,500, best aspirational TV and best TV innovation as well as best 4K HDR TV, which I think kind of covers the whole gamut of what we're looking at, no pun intended, in terms of the TV. So if we've got best home cinema TV, well, in fact, before we go to the, the best of, um, I think it's important for us just to say that with TVs, a change every 12 months. So we've looked at the last 12 months, unless it's a product that's carried over and is still a high-end Yeah, it's quite model. rare for them to do that. Most TVs get replaced every year, but there are a couple of examples, particularly this year, of TVs that were actually released in 2016, but are still the current flagship model in a specific area this yeah. year as well. So yeah. that's worth bearing in mind. Also, obviously, we've tried to, you know, um, as you said, select criteria that give us a broad range of winners. What I always hate on some awards is where one tally wins every single category and you think, well, that's really boring and pointless. Um, you want to, you know, try and target different manufacturers and different products for their own specific um areas of expertise i think and and certain tvs are better in certain areas than others and some are better overall as a general thing but each tv has um, some interesting characteristics and i think it's, it's good to highlight them where you can yeah so basically what we said is that the product must have been reviewed by av forums for it to win an yep. award obviously <laughs> first of all and most um, importantly <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that in the la- that had to have been in the last 12 to 18 months and it must currently be available as part of the official product range from that manufacturer and it's not been discontinued this year so those are the criteria that we gave ourselves those those are the rules that we gave ourselves and it wasn't easy it's taken quite a bit of time for us to come up with the list but let's go to best home cinema tv first of all steve and i guess the choice here was i wouldn't say it was obvious but it certainly helped panasonic that they have been developing their pro uh, sumer tvs basically um so these are a level of tv that can be used for grading in a professional environment yeah exactly i mean their philosophy was trying to create a television because obviously you, you know professional in, um, um installations and, and you know studios they tend to use the sony professional oled monitor but it's quite small in terms of its screen size so it's very very accurate and very stable and consistent in its performance but it is quite small screen size and often you want to look at things on a larger screen as well to get you know a certain feel for how it's going to look on a bigger screen rather than on a small monitor so they basically developed particularly the ez1002 they basically developed tv semi-professional tv that gives you almost the accuracy of uh, a Sony professional monitor, but on a much larger screen size. And that's targeted to, uh, you know, facilities that don't necessarily want to either want a bigger screen or don't want to spend 30, 40,000 quid on the monitor and they can get this. So even though it might seem expensive to a consumer and it has dropped in price quite considerably since we actually reviewed it originally, um, it's a lot, lot cheaper than buying an actual Sony professional grade monitor. Uh, and its level of accuracy is stunning. So in terms of home cinema TV, uh, this one definitely, uh, I think, qualifies as the best because you've got a big screen TV, incredibly accurate image aimed at delivering the content creator's intentions as you know precisely and without any changes. And I think when it comes to home cinema, that's always the prime criteria. 
Uh, and, you know, you, if you look at the uh, ESA 1002, no question, it's delivering the content creator's intentions exactly. Uh, and for that reason alone, it's it's worthy of the award, I think. Okay, so that's the Panasonic TX65EZ1002B. To give it its full title, uh, it gets our award for the best home cinema TV of 2017. So congratulations, Panasonic. Right, so let's move on then. So best gaming TV, this is a big area of the market. It's only going to get bigger, Steve, as gaming goes HDR and 4K and higher frame rate as well. Um, TV technology and specs are going to become really quite important for uh, quite a large segment of the market. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there will be areas um, that will, ex- you know, be evolved and expand over the next couple of years. I'm thinking specifically of things like variable refresh rates, um, HDMI 2.1, and also 120 hertz, 160, 150, well, sorry, 100 to 120 hertz, depending on where you live. But uh, right now, as it stands, I think the, the key criteria um, for a TV is that it can do SDR gaming, HDR gaming, 2K and 4K, uh, and also that it has a low input lag. And um, the winner of this award, the Samsung UE55MU7000. It's an LED LCD TV, uh, which I think tends to be slightly better for gaming because uh, obviously you don't run the risk of any image retention or possible screen burn when you've got a heads-up display for hours and hours and hours of gaming. I'm not saying it's going to happen with an OLED, but there's always a possibility that might be the case. So I think in that respect, LED LCD TVs can be uh, have a slight advantage in that respect. But also, in terms of its input lag, 17 milliseconds is, is the lowest we've measured uh, this year or ever, I think. Uh, so, you know, it's got a very, very low input lag. It, it can do 2K and 4K and SDR and HDR gaming. Uh, and it's you know, it's an LED LCD panel. And, and it's also a, a great all-round TV as well. So not just for gaming, but if you want a TV, it's a good TV. But I think as a gaming choice, this one for me definitely wins. Because it's, it's just got a good all-round TV with a very low input lag. And it can be picked up for about £900 at the minute, can't it, as well? So and it's very, very cheap right yeah. now. Big price drops since it's launched. Um, and yeah, right now it, it's got for less than a grand. So it's actually a bit of a bargain too. Okay, so let's stick with the budget theme. Best TV under £1,500. So yes, we're looking at for a TV under that price bracket. But at the same time, it's a competitive area. But it has to hit a number of features for us to, to give it an award. So what won and and why did it win yeah it's not just about price although clearly that is important but we also expect the tv to be uh, capable of delivering an accurate performance out of the box particularly that's particularly important in the lower price points because the chances are that if you're spending you know less than a thousand pounds on a telly you're not going to spend 300 quid getting it calibrated so it needs to be accurate out of the box with a basic setup that anyone could do uh it needs to handle um both you know full hd and 4k obviously and sdr and hdr uh, and it needs to do it well. It needs to be able to upscale content nicely. You know, it needs to be a good all-round TV that's accurate and capable and can deliver an, an enjoyable experience in SDR and HDR. And obviously, it needs to be you know not competitively priced. And the winner is the Hisense H65 N6800, which you, the 65-inch version can currently be bought for just a smidge over a thousand pounds, which is a cracking price for a 65-inch TV. And this TV was was very accurate out of the box. So um, from that point of view, it ticks all the criteria. It can do SDR, it can do HDR. It isn't the, the brightest TV. I'm going to say that up, up front. It's not the brightest TV. So when it comes to HDR, you're not going to get a full, you know, you're going to get a thousand nits of peak brightness, but you still get a very enjoyable HDR experience. You get very, very good SDR experience, uh, nice, accurate picture, cracking price. It's uh, well-made. Um, amazingly, all, all these uh, um, Hisense TVs, even though they're competitively priced, they're really well-made with a solid metal construction. You, know, you get you feel like you're getting a, a, a nice quality product, even though it is at a competitive price. Um, nice remote control, simple but effective smart platform, and an all-round really, really good TV, and a 1,000 quid per 65-inch model. You really can't go wrong. Yep. Congratulations, Hisense. Went in there. Okay, moving on. Best 4K HDR TV 2017. Um, so this was across both technologies, uh, LED, LCD, and OLED. So we sat for a while thinking about this one, and... Uh, <laughs> It was quite difficult, and some people are going to be surprised because it's actually a 2016 model that wins the prize here, but for a very good reason. Yeah, when it comes to HDR, there's two schools of thought. There's the, uh, you know, you want your maximum peak brightness, 
um, as high as you know, they want that as high as possible in order to deliver uh, content as the content creators intended. But also, you know, you, you could say that whilst say an OLED TV isn't necessarily as bright as an LCD TV, you know, it can deliver those peak specular highlights uh, with greater precision because obviously it's, it's a pixel-based product. But after much deliberation, we came to the conclusion that the best HDR TV currently available, and we're talking about HDR here specifically, is the Sony uh, KD65ZD9, which can deliver 1,800 nits of peak luminance from um, a, a direct LED backlight using 600 local dimming zones, over 600 local dimming zones, actually, uh, as well as um, it will have support for Dolby Vision uh, in the near future. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, it's supposed to have been done this year, but we're getting quite near the end of the year, and Sony has have been a bit late on this one. But we'll be getting Dolby Vision update. Uh, also, you know, it's obviously uh, got... Um, greater SDR and HDR performance, good uh, accuracy in terms of HDR over the color space, wide color space, nearly 100% DCI P3, uh, good tracking of the PQEOTF in terms of its uh, uh, tracking for the curve. And uh, so my personal choice uh, overall, um, after discussing it with you, I think this delivers the best HDR performance currently available on the marketplace. Yeah, so well done to Sony there. Uh, ZD9 has been uh, a really good TV, keeping its price as well at the minute. It's still around about the £3,000 mark, which is still a little bit toppy, Steve, but you know you are getting the performance here. It is a really well put together TV, well thought out, and, and the dimming uh, works particularly well on this one. Yeah, it does. All those additional zones mean that you know you, you tend it minimises any problems with haloing or bright edges or corners, things that really affect edge-lit TVs quite badly with HDR sometimes, but this is obviously a direct LED backlight, lots of zones, uh, and very, very bright, so you really get a really punchy, uh, you know, HDR performance that really pops. Good stuff. Well done, Sony. Moving on. Best OLED TV. If you thought best HDR TV was difficult, this section was really quite easy um, because there's one TV that just stands heads and shoulders above everything else at the minute, Steve, and that's no easy thing because the OLED TV market is very very competitive you just have to look at our shootout that we did a, a few weeks ago with Philips when we had four TVs all together once they're calibrated very difficult to tell which TV was which because the performance is so damn good on them um, but this TV we picked this because it does absolutely everything it has all the features on it it has that outstanding picture quality and it does so at an amazingly cheap price yeah, <laughs> I think Mark Botwright may have made his feelings on this one felt uh, very clear in last week's podcast, but no question in my mind um, of the TVs that we've reviewed, uh, the LG um, 50, well, the B7 basically, whether it's 55 or 65, but we reviewed the 55 inch, but the B7 is our OLED TV of the year. I mean, you could say also, you know, by that by that basis, the C7 is also in this category. We haven't reviewed the C7, but they are identical televisions, but apart from a slightly different stand. But the B7, absolutely cracking television. I mean, you get everything. So in terms of feature set, uh, you've got support for every form of HDR you can think of. So you've got HDR10, of course, hybrid log gamma, Technicolor, and also Dolby Vision. You've got Dolby Atmos support. Um, you've got WebOS, which is, I think, an absolutely superb platform with all the catch-up services, Amazon, Netflix, Now, all the uh, um, BBC, you know, all the UK TV catch-up services, everything covered there. Uh, it's a very uh, a very effective platform and you can easily move in and out of different things if you want to. So that's really good. I think it's a beautifully designed television. I think it looks very attractive. Uh, it's got fantastic picture quality, uh, very accurate out of the box, but also, you know, can be, can be reference quality with calibration. Uh, delivers a beautiful picture, uh, a great SDR and HDR performance. Like I mentioned a bit earlier, yeah, yes, they aren't as bright as um, LCD TVs, but I think the deep blacks and the, and the precise specular highlights actually make OLED's um, HDR performance superior in, in many respects because you're getting a lot of contrast there, which you can't deliver necessarily with a LCD TV unless you do something like the ZD9 where you've got a lot of local dimming zones and a very bright LED backlight. But uh, yeah, overall, all those things alone would be enough for this to win best TV, OLED TV of the year. But when you look at the fact you can get it for less than less than one thousand six hundred pounds currently, I mean, you know, there's no question in my mind why would you get anything else at the moment? Yeah, actually, Black Friday at the minute, I'm looking at this. It's uh, fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, right. That's that makes me even sadder. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Do you know considering. What? I've hey, what, 2,100? <laughs> I've just asked to contact in Richard Sounds if there's any remaining margin on that, just out of, I don't know, academic interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it does 
make you question that. But then again, there might just be stock that they need to move on because CES is less than a few weeks away. So, um, well, yeah, but we've got to work on the principle that with all televisions, there's always there's always the promise of the next big thing. But you know, from an outs, what counts, I guess, as a semi-outsider perspective, as someone who doesn't review these things, we have achieved what looks like near technical and format stability for at least a bit now. So something that's purchased at this point, provided that you tick the the criteria as they exist today, it doesn't look it unless unless I've missed something. It doesn't look like we've got something being in uh, promised immediately that is likely to have anything like a wide a, a wide ranging rollout. So yeah, there's undoubtedly going to be exciting new things at CES, but you know it, they are. It's fun. That in some ways, we're back at a point where it's going to be an incremental improvement on what we've got at the moment rather than de- delivering the next big thing. Well, the next big thing we didn't see coming actually last year, it, this Best TV Innovation of 2017 award, we didn't see this coming at all. It was one of the big surprises of CES this year. It goes to Sony, so well done Sony, another another win there. And this time it's for the A1 OLED, but not for the TV, but for the acoustic surface. And this mm. really did blow us away um, because we thought, what an ingenious idea. Why did nobody else... Well, other people did think of it, and Sony have then built on that. Um, but to use actuators against the surface and vibrate that surface to create the sound, and to create decent sound quality as well, um, because you could do it and it could... could You know, you could just do it for the innovation side and it wouldn't sound very good, but the fact that it actually did sound really good um, took away the clatter of the living room as well so you, all you really had was one panel sitting there and it had everything built in there's no ugly speakers or anything like that it's, it really was the innovation of the year Steve yeah absolutely um, it, it's not you know it's been done before in the past and other in you know circumstances but the idea of I mean it seems ingeniously simple but the idea of taking the OLED panel because it's so thin that you can just vibrate it and use the entire surface as a speaker effectively absolute genius because what it means is when you when you watch the tv from the front all you're seeing is the screen uh, and the sounds emanating from the screen and uh, even even sound will even move across the screen you know along with the action as, as the sound moves across the you know the sound design so uh, absolute genius and it works really well i mean if you put your hand on the screen, you can feel that it's vibrating, but you can't see it, which is the key thing. I think something that did concern me initially was would, would it actually affect image quality, but it doesn't. Uh, it sounds great, uh, and it works really well. Genius idea, very clever. And, and let's not forget the A1's also a really good TV in its own right, but uh, this particular aspect of it is a, is a really cracking piece of innovation from Sony. Whether we'll see other manufacturers take this on board as, as an idea for um, OLED sound, because, you know, we've often talked about the fact that the problem with modern TVs are they're getting thinner and thinner. Obviously, OLED TVs are incredibly thin. Um, that there's little room to put speakers in, and obviously with speakers, you know, the larger the speaker, the more, but the better it sounds, and the more air it can move. Well, if you're using the entire screen surface, um, that's a genius solution to that particular problem, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, great innovation, very clever idea, and, and top marks to Sony for coming up with that one. Yeah, and this next TV could, could easily have won the Innovation Award as well, uh, but for us... We guess it's kind of the aspirational TV of the year. It's the one that, if you had the budget, it's a bit of a no-brainer to buy, actually. And that's the wallpaper TV, the W7 from LG. It's just so thin. It's just it's pointing to the future of where OLED is going to go eventually, maybe in the next five to ten years. And that that is the and, and people always laugh when you say this, but it's the fold-away screen. It's the screen yeah. that you you can pull down like an old projector type screen, or or which you stick to the wall with magnets, you, you know, you, and then you can fold it away and put it away. And this technology is definitely coming, and this points to it. Um, the W7 from LG. You got to spend some some good time with it in San Francisco as well. It's it's one of these products that wasn't sent out for review because of the cost, because of the complexity and setup and all the rest of it. Uh, it just didn't make sense to be sent out for TV. But we got a, a good quality hands-on uh, session with it in San Francisco, and picture quality is the same as the B7, but it's everything else that goes with it that makes it aspirational. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just want an OLED TV buy the B7 because the picture quality is identical to the W7. I forgot to mention, by the way, 21 milliseconds input lag too. So both TVs in terms of gaming are also really good, but that's not the point of this TV. This TV is designed to show you the capabilities of OLED. And the big thing about OLED obviously is that the panel is three millimeters thick. Uh, and therefore you can, if you remove all the other things that the connections, the speakers, the amplification and the electronics, if you remove those and put them in a separate unit, then you can just put this thing on the wall 
literally using magnets uh, and this is how this works and uh, so you end up with a screen that, that's you know just flat against the wall it's almost like you know, that's hence the name wallpaper but you know it's like looking out of a window and then there's a, a, a thin flat uh, ribbon connector that goes to the the sort of the all-in-one box as they call it uh, which is uh, which has all the connections amplification it's got um upward firing dolby atmos um, speakers as well it supports dolby atmos now um that's been added recently via a firmware update and uh yeah you basically end up with this really really striking television i mean there's no question if you've got this tv and someone comes around your house they are going to look at that and think wow uh it, it looks amazing it's obviously the picture quality is superb uh but it, it really is as to, in terms of an aspirational product something that you would want to have and show off to your friends this definitely meets that criteria and i think it's a worthy winner Okay, so that's our first batch of Editor's Choice Awards. Um, you can read a little bit more detail on the forums. The piece should be published now as you're listening to this podcast. And keep an eye on the homepage because we have our different categories coming up as well. In next week's podcast, we're going to be talking to Ed about his choices for the best hi-fi of the year. And uh, lots of categories there to go through. Oh, yeah. So um, so we'll be going through that one next week. But just in a, a quick wrap-up, uh, Steve, just go through our winners and writers again, please, for best TVs of 2017. Yep, just running through it again then quickly. We have best home cinema TV 2017, Panasonic TX65EZ1002B. The best Gaming TV 2017 is the Samsung UE55MU7000. Best OLED TV 2017 is the LG OLED 55B7V. Best TV under £1,500 is the Hisense H65N6800. Best aspirational TV 2017 is the LG OLED 65W7V. Best TV innovation of 2017 is the Sony KD65A1. And finally, the best 4K HDR TV of 2017 is the Sony KD65ZD9. Congratulations to everybody winning here. Right, let's move on. Uh, it is the end of the month. It's almost the end of the year. I can't believe how quickly 2017 has just flown by, um, to be honest. But it's the end of the month, so we do our best of the month. And during the hardware news, for some reason, we do Ed's vinyl <laughs> album and playlist of the month. So let's stick to that. And uh, you, what are you they? asked for it, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I just do what I'm told. Yeah, I don't know why we do it. It's not a movie, hardware. is it? So, well, no, it's, it's not, not a movie. movie. Maybe we should create a new category. And just, uh, and just anyway, just for Ed, Ed section. That's what Ed's, <laughs> Ed, Ed's yeah. retro feature. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Ed's bit. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just a catch-all, isn't it? So, yeah. right. So your album vinyl release and playlist of the month, Ed. Yeah, right. Album, pretty simple one. This because um, it doesn't happen very often, and they're normally events when they do. Bjork has a new album out. It's called Utopia. I've only given it a very quick listen before this podcast came on, but. Once again, it's pretty much different to anything else that's out there. It, the, you know, it's uh, a, as much something that you sit down and it just sort of happens to you as anything else. Um, and I, I, it'll, I haven't, as I say, I've just just gave it a quick go on earphones, but I have ev- every confidence that, like everything else that Bjork has ever done, it will be stunningly done as well. It will be a superb recording, and it's available in in pretty much all the formats that you could uh, you could realistically want to consume it on. So that would be my uh, album of the month. I think it's. I mean, you know, I know I know a number of people just cannot get on with Bjork at all, but she's done so many different things uh, and all the signs on this point that it's going to be a um you know quite a quite a significant piece of uh, piece of work as well so i'd give that a whirl vinyl release of the month is completely different because this album's been out for uh, a couple of months already as a digital copy uh and some of the tracks have been around for a very long time it's a guy called barnes courtney um and if you haven't heard of him you'll have undoubtedly heard of some of the tracks because they get heavy tv spot use and so on and so forth uh but he after a number of eps and single tracks he's put together an album it's called the attractions of youth and for reasons i don't fully understand it's taken until today for the vinyl version of it to be released and i've actually got a copy inbound as we speak um hopefully my wife can intercept it whilst um doing christmas decorations um i suspect although i have to say this is done currently on just me hoping that it's a bit of a rough and ready digital recording it's been done for radio play and so on and so forth i'm 
hoping that the vinyl pressing will be a little less hot and have a little bit more sort of uh, space and refinement to it so and it's got some cracking cover art as well and i suppose fairly importantly it's got some good tunes uh it, it, it's a you it's a pretty unusual sound it's sort of um every now and again you think well that's a bit kings of leon but then it lurches out and goes in completely different directions and he's annoyingly young so i dare say that he's got quite a bit more left to give so yeah that would be my vinyl uh, so, uh suggestion for the month uh, it's also quite reasonably priced on most of the locations that you can buy it from uh playlists once again i ha- you know i apologize for continuously going to tidal because i know that you know vast majority of people are spotify or deezer and so on and so forth but no one else seems to be putting in any significant effort at playlist creation now tidal did have a slow point but they have since you know got their asses back in gear and started doing some interesting stuff and there are two separate playlists which i think are worthy of a look there is a cracking playlist for people that like that sort of thing there is a uh, one called london is now it's british jazz um uh, you know if i need to be clear on this this is not just classic you know man with sax man with trumpet sort of stuff they're, they're modern jazz does encompass a lot of different sounds and a lot of them are on this playlist and i i think it's a it, it's certainly something which you can listen to and I, I generally speaking there should be at least one thing that appeals on there and you can then track back through the artist and their and their material and um then something which is a bit more i suppose mainstream quite interesting because i'd never i have to say some of these took me by surprise there's a playlist called sampling elo so electric light orchestra staple of the 70s and early 80s um and it just runs back through all the tracks that have um borrowed bits of um elo tracks so it plays the elo track that it was that they've been and then the thing that sampled it and some of them i had no idea about and it's it's actually a really good listen so um yeah that's uh my weird section uh out of the way uh feel free to disagree violently but you know at the end of the day it's only music so you know don't get too het up and those would be my choices so there you go nice and nice and tight okay so that's it for hardware news we're going on to movie news next Okay, so uh, moving on to movie news and movie reviews. Well, maybe not movie reviews because uh, you haven't had a chance to get to the cinema, have you, Steve? No, I haven't. But uh, what about you, Phil? Did you manage to go and see Justice League? I'd, I'd rather not speak a bit. <laughs> you knew this wasn't going to be a good experience if Kaz gives it a five out. Well, of you see, you tricked you tricked me into this one because you said before you were going to get on your flight, you said you were going to go and see this so you could talk about it on the Friday. And I thought, well, we kind of have Steve doing most of the talking on the podcast, so I'll go and see it as well, so we can at least discuss it together and have a bit of group therapy together, having having had to witness it. But but you duked out and you didn't go. You yeah, didn't I didn't go. go. <laughs> I didn't have time in the end, unfortunately. But um. Did I miss much? No, you didn't. Yeah, there's some people saying at least it's better than Batman versus Superman, but that's that's kind of a low bar to start with, anyway, isn't it? Really. <laughs> so the problem with it was I had no investment in the characters. They did nothing apart from Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was great, the, the standalone film. I really enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was really quite good, and I thought, well, if DC could do this and multiply it, then they're onto a winner, at least in terms of you know comic book superhero type stuff. And they've got some decent characters in there to build on. They should be able to do something decent with it. But the problem was, I didn't like any of the characters. Didn't invest in them. I don't like. I don't like um, his version of Batman. You know, the the older statesman, kind of grumpy, time for retirement type. And you know, after you've had Nolan's Batman, I think this time around it just doesn't quite work. I've I've never liked Superman. <laughs> so it was always going to be a difficult sell to me anyway, and I, and I guess I'm, I, you know, I'm not a comic book guy, I'm not a superhero movie guy, so you know, you, you're going to get what you get from me in terms of opinion. If you're into DC, if you're into Marvel and that kind of thing, um, you know, you're you're going to give forgive a bit more. Um, you got you're going to know a little bit more about the backstory and so on to to kind of probably buy into it a little bit more than I did. For me, it had to capture my attention straight away. It didn't do that. I was sitting looking at my watch all the way through. The the bad guy, nah. I, I just had no interest. It's like, yeah, whatever. I hope the bad guy wins, because I'm bored. <laughs> even even the ancillary characters around the superheroes and so on, there was just... The, I, I didn't feel for any of them. I didn't appreciate any of them. And 
I felt like there was a hell of a lot of material probably left on the cutting room floor because it, it like a bit like Suicide Squad, it kind of jumped around a bit and it was one set piece to another set piece without any real development, without any real buy-in, without any real explanation as to what the bad guy was all about, what his motivations were, other than world domination. There, there wasn't anything really there that, you know, it, it just felt rushed. It felt like there was lots missing, uh, lots of setup. It felt like maybe it was rushed to the big screen where they maybe should have taken some time to maybe do a, a couple more standalone movies with the characters so we get to know them a little bit better before kind of jumping in at the, at the deep end for some of these characters that are absolutely brand new on the big screen so you want some development time with them and there wasn't any I was looking at my watch it was I wasn't getting the buy-in I'm sure people will love it so don't take my my words of uh, review of any note, really, because I'm not really a superhero fan or anything like that. But if if you're kind of like me and you just think, well, I kind of fancy a, a popcorn, leave your, your brain at the door type uh, entertainment, even there, I felt it wasn't good enough. Um, for me, it was a disappointment. For me, the reason why it was a disappointment was Wonder Woman was really well done. And I thought, yeah, you know, they could make something of this. I think where they've gone wrong is it feels rushed. It feels like they're almost like... They feel like they have to release it now because if they take their time with it, then the uh, the popularity of the comic book superhero movies might die away. And it's it's almost like they're playing catch up with Marvel, but at the same time, they're they're hoping that they can put something up on the big screen to try and you know take the cash in on on the current um, appeal for these types of movies. So even though I didn't really enjoy Thor, Thor's Thor's like Shakespeare compared to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just in terms of quality, it it was just rushed. It was it was thrown together. Didn't make much sense. The bad guy was absolutely pants. Um, and there was no buy-in. There was no... Because they're superheroes as well, you know they're going to survive. So there's no you know, threat there, threat level there. There's no suspense. Whereas I, I like the way that Marvel are, are mixing it about with their stuff. So some of them are com- comedic. Some of them are a bit more darker in tone and a bit more serious. I like what they're doing with the genre. Whereas I think DC, it just feels like they're, they're, they're playing catch-up. And, it, and it's not working for them at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think they definitely could be accused of rushing things. I mean, if you look at the Avengers, there were five films before that, setting up each of the five characters before we got to um, the actual Avengers movie. So there was plenty of buy-in and build-up. And you didn't have to... I mean, when you've got in, in the film, for example, you didn't even mention Cyborg, The Flash, and Aquaman in your review because there have been no individual films for those three and you probably aren't that familiar with them as comic book characters. So, you know, if, if there's... You've got, to, you've got to set up major characters as well as set up the film itself. And I think um, it wasn't helped by the fact, obviously, that very sadly, Zack Snyder had to you know, move away from the production during, you know, just after the photography finished because his daughter died. And, and Josh, Josh, Whedon, Josh Whedon came in to finish it off, uh, rewrote quite a bit of it, did reshoots. And that's probably partly why it, maybe it feels slightly uneven. But also there are rumours that it's been cut down quite a bit from an original length of about three hours, uh, which is what happened with Batman versus Superman as well, actually interesting. So maybe we'll get a longer cut with the uh, disc release that will um, perhaps fill out a lot more of the plot. But yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely guilty of playing catch up and rushing things to try and get to the point of Marvel. But Marvel had the sense to take their time and do it carefully and, and gradually build up and bring in characters. And, and um, I think I think it's been reflected in the fact that it has underperformed at the box office. It hasn't done as well as everyone thought it would, and it hasn't done very well critically either. So, I think that shows you that you know people are prepared to say, "Look, you know, if it's not very good, I'm not going to go and see it." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it it just felt forced all the way through. Even the humour felt forced. Um, whereas I, I thought in Wonder Woman there was a nice charm there. There was a nice charm to her character, the innocence side of it. You know, the fish out of water type of thing yeah, that they're yeah. playing with and that kind of, there was a nice vibe to it the humour was was well played um, there was some motivation to the bad guy there was some motivation to her um, you bought into that universe whereas this just felt completely rushed I mean they're, they're, they're all assembled and um, on their first mission within 25-30 minutes of the movie you know there's absolutely no build up no tension no reason is for them to get together in the movie really oh there's a bad guy coming Really? And who's this bad guy? What's his backstory? What's his motivation? You know, why should we be worried? There's none of that 
Uh, it's just oh, let's get a team. Well, also, isn't a lot of the film structured around you know Superman not you know being dead in inverted commas, even though he's in the poster, and they obviously telegraph what was going to happen at the end of Batman vs Superman when you see the stuff rising from his coffin. Yeah, well, you see, the, come this, back. Is, this is what <laughs> what I was talking about. You know, th- this whole thing, and it's no spoiler because because like you say, it's in the yeah, trailer. I haven't it's seen the, the film, posters, and I know he's in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is what I mean. It just it feels rushed, and it doesn't feel like there's any love being taken. With the material or the characters, I think if this this had been turned out by Lucasfilm, I think there would have been uproar, absolute uproar, with the way that the characters have been handled, with the way the story's been put together, the way, the way that I'd, I read afterwards that Warner Brothers have said this had to be two hours long, no longer, and and that I think that's why it feels so unstructured, so thrown together. I bet there's a better film there, a better cut of the film there. It's maybe a touch longer, but but probably a better cut of the film where it does explain the motivations of the characters and why they're getting together and why the bad guys is bad and why we should be taking it so seriously. And, um, I, you know, and I'm sure the, you know, the main demographic here is going to be kids and teenagers and so on. And they're going to love it because they, they don't put too much onus on, you know, the finer nuances of plot and so on. But there's a lot of fans out there as well that have grown up over the many decades that these comics have been around. And it's it's almost as if, there needs to be a bit more love uh, and a bit more dedication if if you're going to do these movies and do them right. And if that takes time, then take the time to do it. Don't don't chase the box office. Create the box office. Yeah, yeah. Build it and um, build it. It's worth noting that it's not like Marvel lost money on any of the setup films for the Avengers, is it? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Know. Well, but there is that. And, and the other thing was that DC were top of their game for a long time with Batman, and it seems like they've just forgotten about that legacy and and. It just seems strange. It just there's no love there for for the for the franchise for the characters and maybe there is, but it's it's not being used in the right way. And there's maybe too much influence from the studio. Bring back Michael a, Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton, you know, he was doing some good work. I think he's a great villain in Spider Man. He's um, you know he's, he's doing his own stuff. Did uh, did a t- take on the whole Batman thing with Birdman in his game, which was really funny. But I just think um, part of the problem is I also think that there's been a knee-jerk reaction to the criticism of Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, um, where they've said, you know, oh, they're too doomy and gloomy, and no, and there's no jokes, it's not funny, it's all too dark, and so they've obviously tried to lighten the mood a bit in Justice League and throw in some jokes and stuff, which make it feel forced. If that wasn't really the intention initially, you know, and if Joss Whedon, as they as I suspect, based on some of the gags I've seen, it's got his style written all over it that they they um, you know they've brought in he's brought in some jokey moments and some quips and that sort of stuff that he does really well but maybe feel forced because that wasn't initially part of the con- you know, conception of the film in the first place or the build up to it yeah okay time to move on our films of the month Steve uh, well in my case that's an easy choice Paddington 2 I loved it I thought it was a great film uh, and I haven't actually seen that many films this month so uh, but of the ones I've seen this month that's definitely my choice I've only seen you, this well, one you've only seen Justice League <laughs> best and worst film of the month yeah yeah it has to be because I haven't seen anything else, unfortunately. Uh, definitely worst film of the month for, for me. Uh, right, film is opening this Friday. What, what can we go and see, Steve? Because obviously there's, of... there's a big one coming in a couple of weeks, so I think everybody's yeah. tr- avoiding releasing stuff at the minute. <laughs> it's going to be small-scale releases from now until the 16th of December because uh, no one wants to go up against Star Wars. Uh, we've got two films, actually, this week, both um, small, small movies, but interesting films in their own right. One is called Wonder, uh, which uh, is about a kid with uh, facial disfigurement, basically, um, and um, dealing with that and, uh, you know, d- dealing with interacting with kids and going to school. Uh, I guess it feels like a sort of like a younger version of uh, Mask, if you've ever seen that film with Cher from the 80s. Oh, not, but, the, car- not the cartoon with the flying car? No. Oh, I like that. Uh, no, um, the one with uh, with Eric Stoltz. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's done very well in the States, though. It opened quite strongly at the weekend. Um, so I think it's got a good chance of doing quite well in the run-up to, um, you know, as an antidote, I guess, to all these superhero movies, something a bit more human would be quite nice. So that that's coming out. And also there's The Disaster, there's the disaster Artist, which is uh, directed by and starring James Franco, as well as his brother Dave Franco and Seth Rogen as well. And it's, it's actually a film about... A, a real guy called Tommy Wiesel who made a film called The Room. Generally have you seen this one film? Of the worst films ever made. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> no, have you? But I'm quite tempted to see it. You see, this is the thing. I, I am. The more I read about it, the more fascinated I am. Um, but it feels like I can't necessarily go and see the Disaster Artist until I have, for better or worse, watched The Room. 
I don't know if that's something you feel is the same way, or do you yes. reckon actually seeing the disaster artist first and then go to watch the room might make an interesting experience. I mean, yeah, it's it's um, it looks really funny in the trailers, and and like I say, it's a film that this guy made over, you know, he spent quite a lot of time and money and, and years making, and and everyone just said this is awful. Uh, Although it's it's become one of those films that is so bad it's good now. You know, it's it, apparently it's it's got a, a strong cult following because of its awfulness. A bit like say Plan Nine from Outer Space. So um, yeah, I'm quite actually quite. I probably will go and see this because I like James Franco anyway, and um, and it does look quite fun in the trailers. And yeah, uh, I, I'm curious, but like you say, Ed, I can't decide whether to see The Room first and then see this, or see this and then see The Room afterwards. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something that's I think worth checking out. Yes. It's getting a lot of awards buzz, by the way, so it's, it's, it's certainly being, being touted for a possible contender for next year's awards. The irony being, of course, the, yeah, so one of the worst <laughs> films ever made, by, by, by extension, creates an award-winning movie. <laughs> so, well, it's uh, happened before, though, of course, because Ed Wood. Yeah, this is true. Actor, and uh, it was about well, Ed Wood's career generally, but uh, Plan 9 specifically. And Plan 9 from Outer Space, also, there was a, a computer game, Plan 9 from Outer Space, which was absolutely brilliant. I mean, judged by the technology of the very early 90s, uh, I need to stress, it probably hasn't held up brilliantly, but it was really quite clever what they'd done with it. So, yeah, uh, there you go. Create create shite and people will find the gold in it. Okay, so uh, moving on, Blue Rays of the Month. Did you buy any this month, Steve? Yep, a couple, actually, and both very good. Uh, I've got... Jabberwocky, which is a new Criterion collection release of Terry Gilliam's first solo directorial feature, um, which I really like. Uh, it's you know it's very Python esque in, in its humour, um, but it's it's in, in its sort of starts showing um, Gilliam's unique style for creating um, the past and other worlds in, in his own inimitable style, uh, and it's very funny. It's got Michael Payne in the lead. It's good, good, good. Um, Criterion set as always, great picture and sound, lots of really interesting extras. So I recommend that thoroughly, particularly if you're a Gilliam fan, and and I think Jabberwocky is a really good film. Plus also, and this is an interesting one, um, William Freakin, hot off the back of having made The French Connection and The Exorcist, his next film was a film called Sorcerer, which was a remake of Wages for Fear, Wages of Fear, which is a French movie about a bunch of guys trying to get nitroglycerine across a mountain uh, without blowing themselves up to put out a uh, oil fire. He remade it. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for Sorcerer, it came out the week after Star Wars. So uh, it came out for a week. Uh, it wasn't making any money. And then student, the cinema of change just pulled it immediately and brought Star Wars back. And that was the end of Sorcerer. And it cost a lot of money and it was very difficult to make. And it's generally regarded as being one of Freakin's best films. It's it really, really good. I, I, yeah. I, I thoroughly... And my dad had me watch it because it's one of his favourites. I watched it when i was 10 or 11 and it's like that was just amazing I the rope it. bridge scene alone is worth the price of admission um yes it, it's generally regarded as being a brilliant film freaking thinks it's his best film many people think it's freaking's best film many people love it but it didn't get a lot of obviously it didn't get seen a lot because it kind of just disappeared yeah so it's had a, a brand new got a brief cinema release earlier in the year and it came out on disc uh, this month and uh, it's a cracking disc some great extras They've done a great job with picture and sound, and it is a generally entertaining film with some superb set pieces. The set piece where they have to get the trucks over a rope bridge in a storm in itself took months to shoot and looks like it. And this is all done in the old days. No CG, no mucking about. This was for real. And uh, yeah, it's worth getting. It's it's a cracking film and it, an interesting curio. And, and if you're a freaking fan, I think you need to add it to your collection. I might just do that, Steve. Well, you're good luck getting hold of it. I'm still, it took weeks for me to get my copy because it sold out instantly. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, 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 you know, it, it, these things calm down. They always do. I'll just buy yeah, more yeah, records yeah. in the meantime. You know, <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, Blu-ray releases this week. This week we've got uh, a few big, big, well, two big titles actually coming out. We've got War for the Planet of the Apes, the third part of the Apes trilogy, uh, which I saw at cinema and thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I think it, it did a great job of bringing the three films to conclusion and setting up, you know, basically ending up effectively where you would need to be to have the Planet of the Apes happen. Uh, and uh, the the animation is just staggering. I mean, you just totally forget the unreal apes talking. Um, so that's worth getting. That's um, that's uh, on Blu-ray and Ultra HD Blu-ray. And also available this week on um, Blu-ray and Ultra HD Blu-ray is Valerian, the City of a Thousand Planets, which uh, I think we both saw at the cinema, Phil, um, and uh, I quite enjoyed. And I think it's going to look absolutely stunning when it comes out on disc. Uh, 
and also includes both Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision. So um, that would definitely be a go-to disc, I think, for um, Ultra HD Blu-ray fans. Who don't mind about, you know, limitations to the actual quality of the film. Yeah, it's pure eye candy. Okay, so uh, moving on to UHD Blu-rays of the month. Any there, Steve? Actually, quite a few this month. It's been a good one. Um, my personal choices, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick one. I'm gonna pick a few. So, well, I've just mentioned one of them, which is Walk of the Planet Apes. I got it early, and um, cracking disc, looks superb. Uh, good Dolby Atmos soundtrack. Uh, and if you, you've got the other two Apes movies, it's definitely worth picking up. Uh, also, definitely worth picking up if you're a fan of, of Edgar Wright. Is Baby Driver looks great again, and fantastic soundtrack. Absolutely fantastic soundtrack. Dolby Trigger Atmos warning, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yes, Kevin Spacey is in the film, but I'm not going to hold that against it. Uh, also, um, worth picking up, absolutely cracking Blu-ray release, sorry, Ultra HD Blu-ray release of Westworld, the first season of Westworld. That's got Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. It looks and sounds superb, and it's also really, really good. And finally, uh, and my personal favourite of the month, um, Spider-Man Homecoming, a film that I really enjoyed at the cinema thought that marvel nailed spider-man personally in terms of the character from the comics i think it's got a great villain in michael keaton good story could have been a little bit shorter i think it's a middle section where it slags a bit but um um lags a bit but otherwise i think it, it, it's a great film it looks and sounds superb on on um ultra hd blu-ray again dolby vision and dolby atmos and those are my four choices for the month okay and coming up on uhd well, big news. Uh, finally, we've been a lot of rumours about it, but it finally got announced this week, uh, the week we're recording the podcast, um, with, a, with a full set of what's in it and when it's coming out. So the Christopher Nolan Ultra HD Blu-ray box set is coming out on the 18th or 19th, 18th of the UK, 19th of December in, in the States. And it includes the three Batman movies. Uh, so um, Batman, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Also Inception, uh, Interstellar and The Prestige and dunkirk so basically pretty much all of them apart from um, insomnia and following are on this in this set all of them have got brand new 4k uh remasters of the of, um so particularly the stuff that was shot with imax or um in the case of dunkirk also um, 70 mil they look absolutely stunning dunkirk itself i think will be the go-to uh demo disc for the next year um the soundtracks are all still the same as the original disc releases. Not not haven't been remixed as Dolby Atmos, but I, apart from Dunkirk, which had an Atmos soundtrack at the cinema. Um, but otherwise, um, I think these are going to look and sound superb. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this release. And as you mentioned, Phil, uh, buy the box set because it's cheaper than buying them individually. <laughs> Steve, yeah. I noticed that you haven't made any mention of the uh, five disc Transformers box set that I have seen announced elsewhere on the internet. You just seem to be glossing over what is clearly going to be just cinematic dynamite. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, as deft a collection of plot, dialogue, and um, and just genuine filmmaking skill as, as, as you're likely to see any time in 2017. Yes. The same, during December, you can also buy the five-disc Transformers box set. Um, <laughs> Emphasis on can. <laughs> Please note, can is not necessarily the same as shit. Even I'm not buying that. <laughs> yeah, they, there you go. If you, there you go, listeners. If you wanted a line in the sand, Steve 4K Withers has gone. Do you know what? I mean, that's presumably because you own most of them already. Well, I've got the fifth, fifth one on 4K already, and the others I've got on Blu-ray. And <laughs> even though they were 2K DIs anyway, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Uh, I don't know if I it's the sort of thing that you just randomly buy as a Christmas present for someone that you weren't actually that <laughs> <fond> of. <laughs> I'll be checking to see that you watch them all oh really <laughs> the questions at the end yeah yeah if like, you're still alive questions at the end like what uh <laughs> yeah why explain the plot to me moving on because time's against us uh tv shows of the month I've been racking my brains on this one i Racking my brains on two. I wasn't sure if I'd bought any UHD Blu-rays this month. I haven't, so I can't add to that bit. TV shows of the month. Uh, for me, Stranger Things two has to be Still, that. Was the previous month. <laughs> yeah, but I only finished it this month. So for me, it's this month. I have to say, I mean, obviously, you know, Master Chef, yada yada. Everyone else is bored. Everyone is bored of that. I shall keep myself to myself. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. If you're up for it, that's great. Um, if you didn't watch it last Sunday, and it was two hours long, and it, you know, there were other things on the rest of it. I thought that Guy Martin building that tank, that was absolutely cracking television and it should still be on four on demand. So if you didn't watch it, do so. You don't have to necessarily have too much of an interest in 
in any specific aspect of it it's just a great piece of sort of documentary making i mean just the man's enthusiasm for everything generally helps in these cases but watching them you know build this thing the the effort that various people in the program went to i thought that was a really really great piece of television and i would thoroughly encourage anyone to, to give it a view i thought it was really good well uh on my side um i'm really loving blue planet 2 I think it's got some of the most amazing photography and what photography I've ever seen in my life. Uh, every shot is just stunning and they seem to find the most incredible things to show you. That's worth checking out if you haven't started watching it yet. Uh, and um, Walking Dead's back and I've got to say downside better than last season. This time it's, it's all out war um, and I've been thoroughly enjoying that. And uh, uh, Punisher was available to stream from last week on Netflix um, and after a bit of a, a dip in quality, I think, as far as the Netflix Marvel stuff goes, this one's back to form. Great character, The Punisher, and you get what you paid for in this one. It's uh, you know good, hard, brutal action as, as he goes around killing lots of people. So can't go wrong there. And John Barenthal's really good as The Punisher as well. So um, those will be my current uh, current TV choices that I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying. There you go. A, a wide selection of material there. So, you know, don't say we don't give you anything. And, and basically, I don't know where the time's gone this week. Uh, obviously, when you listen to this, dear listener, it'll be a lot, it'll be a lot slicker than it has been so far. <laughs> oh, that's that's a big promise you're making there, mate. <laughs> oh well, I had I edit the show, so yeah, don't worry, there'll be plenty on the cat room floor. And that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks to Steve Withers. Caesar loves humans more than apes. And Ed Sally. I thought we had a chance. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkaviforums.com for latest reviews, news and videos, and of course, leave us those five-star ratings on iTunes, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.